0: Welcome to another episode of the Zenpreneur Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want more money and less stress. The Zenpreneur Podcast is hosted by serial entrepreneur and high-performance coach Mario Lanzarotti. Listen as Mario and his inspiring guests share the insights, strategies, and habits that allow you to grow your business with peace of mind so you can enjoy more wealth and freedom. Learn how to build the mindset and habits you need to find the balance between a successful business and a thriving personal life. And now, here is your host, Mario Lanzarotti.
1: Hello and welcome, my friends, to the Zenpreneur Podcast. This is your host, Mario Lanzarotti. Today, I have the honor of interviewing my friend, Ronald Nair. He is the founder of Affluence Magazine. He has been in the luxury publication arena for over a decade. He's also the author of a very powerful book that we're going to discuss today, and that is God's Code for Business. And he just recently founded in 2020 Affluence Black Polo, where he's about to launch an event series in California, which we're going to talk about. And I want to tell you now, stay on until the very end, because we have a super amazing gift when Ronald told me this that he's going to give this to my listeners I was like are you sure this is very very generous so I'm going to tell you now this is going to be a powerful conversation Ronald my friend welcome to the show
0: Um, thank you very much for having me it's an honor and pleasure to be a major fan love what you're doing and just become addictive to your show I've just recently been watching it and it's so much information that's so important and Honour and pleasure to be here today, I'm sure, and hope that we can add some value.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you for those kind words. Ronald, I want to know from you, how does someone from South Africa, you know, you're from my favorite country in the world, how does someone get into the luxury market? Because not a lot of traditional uh, brands that are in the luxury space, at least in my understanding, and obviously, you know, a lot more than me, usually the luxury brands come like from the the more the old countries, Italy, France, you know, even some of them in America, but often I don't hear it so much from South Africa, so I want to know how does a wonderful man from South Africa get into the luxury market and make it his home
0: um, That's actually an amazing question so um so I'd probably bring some correction to the phrase that we normally use. We normally say we're in the people business and the industry's luxury right. So if you look at any organization, regardless of where you find yourself, people want to belong to some level of community. You know, be it a supercar community or whatever communities are. You get aviation, boating, and it doesn't make a difference what it is, whether it's a golf club. Um, We are built as people to be part of communities, right? So we need each other and we unlock those gifts and just relationships. So we found ourselves years ago, more than a decade ago, in the luxury industry, so we um, the coolest part of the luxury industry for me is I do not come from a luxury background, you know. So I come from a previously disadvantaged background. So when you you mirror in such a dichotomy, in a sense, that it's pulling almost in two different leagues. And the question then is, what value could we add into an area um, that has been unknown to us almost a decade ago? And the biggest value that we've added in the luxury industry, it's make it more personal, right? So we turn brands and make brands connect to people because at the end of the day there's something about south africa or anywhere in the world that you go to people love people stories right so people love brand stories but behind the brand stories are people and the minute we have embarked on the journey of telling the stories that actually and if you use south africa as as a platform the question is how do you pay it forward right so what we decided to tell the stories is not from the area of success but the area of challenges and when you look at luxury publications, and and you look at the top two or three percent, very few people learn from your success. Ninety-seven percent of the people's going to learn from your failures, right? Because we identify mm-hmm. ourselves in those areas, and coming from an area that's been disadvantaged, there's so many of their journeys and things that we had to learn, and we felt it was our honor and privilege and ability to give back to find out how do you pay the thing forward how do you because you know the luxury space is so is such a secret or let's say sensitive space that you know many people don't want a lot of what they're doing to be out in the public domain and we had to bridge that gap and many said listen I'm not comfortable telling my stories and journeys and the big thing we normally ask them is what would you tell yourself 15 years ago and I said, you might be speaking to somebody in the chapter four of that particular journey and you in chapter 12 now. So let's not look at yourself but, uh, or the other people. Let's let's find out what value you would have added to yourself if you could go back in time. And, um, and so it's a payment, pay it forward. And the whole thing is through our view through the lens of South Africa. That is so beautiful. And as you know, being in Cape Town, Africa has received nothing but negative PR. Um, throughout his journey, and there's some there's relevance in some of those PR, but there's a lot of the PR that has not been mentioned. So I think it's an honor for us to be part of the journey in the sense of luxury, and it's always ev- evolving. You know, it's such an emerging market, and it's only now beginning to find its identity and it's being celebrated globally from that from that perspective.
1: You've made such a good point that I was just thinking about that. I actually never thought of this in this way, where you said. A lot of the success stories that we hear in the world are mostly coming from people that share their failures, which is why we connect so deeply with these people. And now that you say that, there's not a single story that I know that is connected to one of the high-end luxury brands like, you know, the Ferraris, the Gucci's. the, the Lamborghinis, you know, I'm mentioning all these Italian brands because I'm half Italian. Um, right. <laughs> but like, I can't recall them, right? Yeah. And you just made yeah. such a good point. You're like, what they're lacking is that human to human connection. There's often that hyper elite status that I imagine is also part of why luxury brands are so appealing to so many people because of the secrecy. So, can you speak into maybe the balance? How do you, as a luxury brand, maintain sort of that, that attraction around you that comes from a place of secrecy, but still connect with human beings intimately so that they see that behind the luxury brand is somebody that's very similar to me?
0: Yeah, I think that's an amazing question, and i be honored to answer that. So, you know, we've watched and seen various um, trends and waves come, right? So the latest wave now is inclusivity is the new exclusivity. So to be inclusive is the new exclusivity, right? So if you look at the question that you're asking right now, there's two factors to the question. The one is a brand factor. And the brand factor, obviously, is, it's, yeah, you know, the, the question then is what is luxury? And I think maybe that is the, the craziest part, you know. And I had a, had a good friend of mine that interviewed, I interviewed him, but he interviews me and he was the head for LVMH, for those who don't know, it's Louis Vuitton Mo Hennessy and the biggest brand, a luxury brand company in the world. And I was sitting with him in, in France and he asked me and he said to me, he said, "What, what is luxury? And and for the guy to be the head of the, the global brand that houses all these luxury brands, I probably thought he had a much better version to this than i had right and um, and i said look i'm going to give you so many examples of my view but please i don't want to for the sake of time you tell me what luxury is and he said luxury is time and if you think about it here what is luxury luxury is time times craftsmanship and if you look at why luxury brands are this exclusive it's got to do with the time and the craftsmanship that people put into it. So the greatest commodity in the world right now is time. And the question then is, what is it that you're doing with that time? So what we have done is build an ecosystem in an ecosystem that already exists. So the one thing that already exists is the craftsmanship. And the other thing that that you need to now get to create the world of luxury is time. So what we're doing with the time is we've created a journey out of the time. So let's say, we. so in our sense, in luxury is we've created a a network where people feel the sense of belonging, right? So, and I've mentioned that before. So there's a community. So how do you create a community and a lifestyle where people have common interests? So let's take common interests out, right? Luxury could be some of the common, but you could have common interests in anything. But this question is, how do you turn it into a lifestyle? How do you turn it into community? And that is the value that we have come and brought along. So yes, you have the two elements, the one element, would be the craftsmanship, which would be the brand and the the strategy around that. But the biggest one of that is time and people want to be able to add value. Because time is the one thing you can't get back, regardless of the amount of money you have, right? So you can take five billion and say, I want last week, Tuesday back. You're not going to be able to get it back, right? So the question then is, If we cannot get time back, what is it that we're doing with the time? And this is where we've come in and build a community where people are beginning just to to not even, I wouldn't even use the the word network. I think network is a very short-sighted word, but we say become friends and business becomes automatic. Let's journey together. There's African proverb, and I'll I'll end the the answer with this thing. It says, if you want to go far, go alone. Mm -hmm. If you want to go further, go together. And I think going together just makes the journey so much fun, right? So, yeah, I hope that answers that. But that's, that's my view on it, though.
1: That's a beautiful answer. And I've never considered that. Luxury is time. And that's so true. And that's so relevant also to business owners and business leaders, because as they grow and scale their businesses, as they grow in income, they tend to decrease their uh, the availability and time. They become so busy. And so time for them, just like you said, becomes a luxury. Even though it's a every human being has 24 hours a day, it's how it's it's how you use it, right? It's how you make a conscious choice to allocate that time to different activities in your life. So tell me how can someone who is a business owner um, benefit from leveraging. PR. Now you are somebody that has seen, you know, the 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 publication space. You featured stories of the stories of people all over the world. We you and I were going to do a feature very soon. So, how is it that people can leverage that? Because I for the longest time, I didn't look into it. I was like, "Ah, whatever, I don't need this. This is ah, this is just wasted money." But now I'm obviously smarter than that. And I'd love for you to speak into that as well.
0: So, like yourself, you know. So, I also didn't understand the value of it, right? And um, and there's such a, let's say, value, and I think the world has perceived that now, right? So if you look at the various, like, let's say, time dimensions, in one time dimension, there was no social media, right? So there was a very conventional way of doing things, and it was very rigid, and there was, it, the barrier to entry was you had to be, 50 years plus before you could kind of set the rules and the tones. And then you have disruptors that comes into into society and disrupt that that things. And then you had a change over of what it looks like. Now, if you look at what social media has done and the perception. So whatever you put out there is the perception of how you want people to perceive you. Now, if you think about it, that is a brand strategy. But now you're getting 20 year old kids that's doing that. Right. And they're being rewarded Hmm. tremendously now whether they understood PR or not, they're setting the trend for PR the way it is right now. You know, you're getting, so now you've seen another move where you literally use TikTok for an example. I'm not encouraging you to go and start doing a dance moves on TikTok, but if, if, you know, but what I'm trying to get at is that brand perception is absolutely important and how people perceive who you are, you know, and then there's two things to that. The one thing is, are you as a brand adding value to what, are you solving a problem that people have, you know, are you solving a problem that people have? And are you positioning yourself as a solution for them, for those type of issues? So the first thing as a brand for you to identify, and for you as an organization is what problem am I solving? You'll always get paid regardless of where you are positioned based on the solutions that you bring. No one has ever got paid for the problems they're shouting out, right? So they're like, oh, we have a electricity issue. And I was like, let's give him 5 million. You know, but the guy that the guy, the person that is willing to begin to add to that is what changes. So the question then to your thing is, why is PR important? PR is so important to your brand strategy because it positions you in front of an audience for you to tell your version of the story on the problems that you are able to solve. You know, so the thing is, it's like we're never going to be able to change Anything, if you're not part of a narrative, if you're not part of a conversation that is already out there, so the challenge you have uh, um, with big corporates out there, and um, you've seen social media I advance know, in so many loopholes yeah. and changes, right? Some of the wealthiest people in the yeah. world right now is t- tech billionaires. Why? They're solving a problem. Let's look at the problem. Uh, um, that they are solving, let's look at Mark Zuckerberg and I give a simple thing of this here. Let's look at 10 years ago, I did a talk on this that I think it's important, right? So if you look at, and this is brand perception, this is the word in PR that I wanna I want to um, close on to your answer. Let's look at 50 years ago, Oprah Winfrey was worth three $3 billion, right? Let's look at Donald Trump was worth $3 billion. And then let's say 10 years ago, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, when he came in was worth $1 billion, right? And let's look at the problem that, that Oprah solved and let's look at the PR positioning of that, right? So what Oprah did is she solved the problem by giving everybody else and giving, let's say, African-Americans a seat at the table and giving everybody a seat at the table to look at each other's lives and appreciate it, right? And by solving that and creating that opportunity, she, her network grew based on where she was positioned in that specific area. And it went at three billion. But let's look at 15 years later, right? Now you're seeing that she's worth exactly what she was worth 15 years ago. So now let's look at the problem she solved was more valuable then than it is now. And the PR positioning is different. Let's look at Donald Trump. He was worth um, three billion. He dropped to two point eight. Now it's probably at three point two billion, and and it could change depending on when you're watching this video, right? And uh, um and let's look at the property market and the value that he brought from that perspective on entrepreneurship and scaling and these high-rise buildings and what it means and the value that it adds and the PR value that it adds. Because he's not building a different um, building, right? He wasn't building buildings that were so advanced. It wasn't he's out, out of Saudi Arabia and those kind of things, but he was bringing a golden brand into an era that brought scale. But if you look 15 years later, he's worth exactly the same. you look at Mark Zuckerberg and how his position, public relations or public perception, and the connection of public perception, he is worth 20 times more than Oprah, 20 times more than uh, um, um, Donald Trump. Now, people wouldn't believe that, but the reason for that is that his brand perception is still is more relevant now than it was 10 years ago.
1: Well, wow. so basically, what you're saying is, perception allows you to move along with relevancy. If you position yourself in in the, the 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 perception of the time, in the light of I can solve today's problem, and I'm not a person who solved yesterday's problem, Andrew. and I'm still riding on yesterday's waves, I can use that lever to just grow in crazy amounts of of wealth and of impact. I mean, these people are making a big impact. You know, some people might not like the impact that they're yeah. making, but they are making an impact. Um and so it, 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 did I hear that correctly?
0: That that is spot on. So PR perception and the outcome of PR is you how relevant are you for what's happening now and are you solving the solutions and are you positioned what's happening now because I think what you are saying is so important you cannot solve yesteryear's problems today and expect to run a business it's not going to work for you and one of the guys that I interviewed said something so brilliant he said the next wave of millionaires or billionaires is not going to come on the jobs that used to be it's going to come with the jobs that's going to be you know so it's not going to come where someone's going to start uh, a new electrical company, and it's there's not going to be those conventional ways anymore. And we've seen it now with, Tech billionaires and and things that would have seemed foolish, but the real the reason for that, the brand perception and the solutions have married each other.
1: Yeah, 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 that's so true. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so so. I want to know something that just came to mind. Let's say I am a business owner, and I have allocated, you know, ten thousand dollars for brand PR. What would you advise me on how to use that money strategically to get a 10x return on that, if that's even possible?
0: So I think the strategy is always long-term. The challenge that you have in that is that... um... A lot of people play the short game so it's like i'm gonna try to be popular and try to get enough press releases and people having conversations about what it is that i'm doing right and let's look at it so after one year the conversations are no longer there right so it doesn't make a difference what it is if you look at the rugby which we are positioning now they're doing the whole tour right it's going to trend and all that kind of stuff now if you look at that Information a year from now, you're not you're not going to spend twenty more minutes reading about that, right? So the strategy then is how do you turn your brand? How do you make that money work for you long term? One of the areas that we that we focus on is a uh, it's it's an affinity style of a symbiotic way of working. Which other brands alongside of you is going where you're going, and you guys can work together. So now you not only have so and the question is so what we do is we commercialize luxury brands. And the question is, how do you do that when the brand comes in for the very first time? How do people establish that this is a luxury brand? You know, so they have really got. To, so there's two ways to do that. The one route is you remain in one in a silo. You've got to put in a lot of brand value or uh, um, dollar value behind it over a long period of time for people to identify. Oh yeah, I have seen that. I have seen that, and I can see the targeting audience. And and but that's going to take you three to five years for people to establish. But let's say. We cut all of that together and we say, who are the people that I can associate with that's already going where I'm going and doing what I would love to be doing Because and, and, and have their audience. You see, your customer is someone else's customer as well. Your audience is someone else's audience already. So if you look at, let's say we look at the Rolls Royce and we look at aviation, they play very well together. Now let's look at, let's say fashion, jewelry, they will benefit strongly and they can add strong value to a Rolls Royce experience when you're coming to to an evening like that. So does it conflict each other? Absolutely not. So the question is, yes, conventional PR is important because that's brand's perception of who you are and the values and the things that you stand for. But I think relational PR is the thing that's going to be much more long-term than it is because you will start captivating an audience that was never yours to be, to begin with. Because remember, they have really sought the audience out. They've really done all the PR and marketing to grab the audience. So now let's say, for example, let's use an alcohol brand that people's not familiar with, right? And they see a guy, uh, they see an event and they see it at a Rolls Royce event or an Aston Martin event. And they have all these other brands over there. Immediately people's like, I've never heard of that alcohol. I, I need to go Google that. I need to see what is, what has, what did they have to do to be part of this thing? Because immediately the guy, the person has identified you as a luxury brand. And now, and why it's an area of association. And, and remember for you to get that brand leverage, Is going to take you much more than the $10,000 and it's going to take you a much longer period of time. So am I saying that conventional PR is not good? I think it's absolutely important for you to have a PR strategy. But I think what I've seen work in our particular industry is having a symbiotic PR relationship with other brands that are already sitting with the clients that you would love to attract and add that level of value. So I'm not sure if that answers directly to what you're saying, but yeah, that's my view on it.
1: Yeah. It it does. I mean, what I'm hearing there is what you're saying is, essentially, if you have $10,000, invest it into complementary strategic alliances. So go to the places, like if, for instance, if it was me, right? I have a coaching training company. And if I wanted to reach more b- business owners and CEOs, I could reach out to a bigger convention, an event. That, that is geared towards these high um, high influential um, business leaders and decision makers, then I could invest some money into flies. i say, look, you don't have to pay me anything. I'll fly in, I'll pay for my hotels, and I'm going to offer a free workshop, yeah. a, a speech, something there, a conversation that will add great value. All I want is for you to add me into your marketing. Yeah. And so there's no cost to them. In fact, there's an added value. I come in as like, look, I'm investing my time and money into this. And that might cost me a few thousand bucks to get there. But now I'm piggybacking on them, on their success, on their brand. And I get to be associated with that. So essentially, that's what I'm hearing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think that is a very good example. And and that's exactly what 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 I'm saying is putting yourself out there with the people that's doing it already because the question you you gotta ask yourself, right? And if you just look at the metrics of it, right? So if you look at Rolls Royce, we say Aston Martin for example, all right. So let, let's just say five hundred of right. their clients there, right? It's, it's a very targeted audience. What did it cost yep. them to get that five hundred clients? Because remember it takes up to six months for one person to go into the dealership to acquire the sale right mm-hmm. so how many six months do you have how many people do you have to get to get at that particular person and now remember if it's so are you looking at ten thousand people to get the 500 people are you looking at 20 and and what uh brand value or value did it take aston martin with the billboards and the ads and all of that kind of stuff and brand uh, integrity for the people to walk through the doors and the question is what of those things are you paying to get that leverage to get into that, that final shortlist of the 500 clients? So the value of those clients is very, is priceless. you know. So if you have a strategy that could work, that could add value, let's just say you're were, a you were cognac brand or you were a cigar brand and say, listen, we'd like to partner. We would compliment you, give at one of your events, we would do a cigar lounge and for your top clients. So the question is, yeah, you're sitting with your ideal client base that would now take the photos and... And remember, now you have, you have this audience, the guy posts and this one posts, so people know who they are, right? So they're like, wow, what is he smoking? What is he drinking? I'd love to know that. But just imagine the value. What would it cost you to get to that point? It would take you five to 10 years. And now you, you're piggybacking of someone else who really did the hard work. But in your case, you, you, there's a value add. You're adding a value that benefits them. And you do see the return of that benefit to your brand as well.
1: There's also a real-life story that I've experienced that I, only in hindsight, when I reflected on it, did I understand the power of association. And that is, I'm, you know, we're both part of an organization called the Bellwether Lions. And one of my previous coaches, uh, his name is Mitch Russo. He's watching. Lots of love to you, Mitch. Uh, great coach. And he I remember I first saw him on an online meeting, uh, a, a monthly online meeting where there were about a 100 people. He, uh, he was speaking, and so he was saying, "Hey, my name is Mitch, blah 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 blah. This is what I do. I'm a former business partner with Tony Robbins. The moment hey, he said "Tony <laughs> Robbins," I went, "What?" Tony Robbins, because Tony Robbins is one of my uh, greatest mentors. He's helped me. I don't know him personally yet. Yet. That day will come. Um, But through his work, I became who I am today. And so I have great respect for Tony Robbins. So the moment my mind heard Mitch Russo, Tony Robbins, my mind was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I got to get to Mitch because Mitch is one person person away from Tony Robbins. That's it. If I get to Mitch, I'm at Tony Robbins. So I sold myself to Mitch Russo before I even got to know what Mitch Russo even offers. And so when I found out that he does one-on-one coaching, I was like, that's it. it. I got to get into that. So regardless of whether Mitch would have been good or not, he was good. So definitely, definitely. But regardless of that, my willingness to purchase from him skyrocketed because mentally he was associated with a person that I greatly respect yeah. and that I find speaks to your point it's like if you are a fan of Ferrari if you're like a, a diehard fan of Ferrari and then I tell you oh yeah Ferrari I work yeah. with Ferrari then then you're going <laughs> to be like what you work Absolutely. with oh my goodness uh, okay what do you got so I think this is a powerful testimony to the work that you're doing and you know With an awareness of time, there's still something else that I really want to talk about with you, which really aligns with the ethos of the show. And that is your book, right? Your book is called God's Code Business. Now, how does somebody who's all about luxury and all about the world of, you know, the luxury tends to be the world of the elites and... That's something where I, and that might be my limited perception, used to always think that's not very yeah. godly, you know. It's like these people just care about the material stuff. Obviously, that's not true. But how did you get to writing a book that is about using God to grow business? I'm fascinated and I want to know the story.
0: So yeah, hold on to your seatbelt. It's it's um, you know look, I, I'm excited about the book. The book has been a, a self learning journey for me. So, I'll have to be honest about the book, right? so whenever anybody writes uh authors a book on a particular they're either a, a thought leader on that particular topic um or it's something that they've experienced you know so in in my thing, I sat in between those yeah. things right so it was more a self question, so I do a lot of talks and I get to ask at a lot of uh events and um there's a scripture that whether you know or the audience is not aware of, and I'll bring a relevance to the book right so it says there's a river that flowed out of Eden and became four riverheads, heads, you know, and many people has used those four river heads as something they call multiple streams of income. And I was doing a talk on multiple streams of income and I knew uh, the, the analogy or the scripture. And I was telling myself, I need to do research on, the, on exactly what these uh, scripture means and, you know, what these rivers means, with their position and what we could learn from it, right? And um, during the time, um, it, was actually, it was actually during COVID, so I started writing this book and started getting these downloads for these rivers, and it has been a, a phenomenal journey. And uh, um, so, to give you insight to the book itself, and I think we can learn from it. The question then is, is where does business come from? Right, that's the big question we got to ask ourselves, because it's been done so long that we, there's no genesis for it. But what if there is a genesis for it? Then what is the right way of doing it? Right. So it says, it says now there's a river that flowed out of Eden and then became four overhead. So the question that we got to look at is, in order for us to get multiplication, we got to understand what Eden is. Now let's take the biblical text in, and, I, and it's, it's fine for whatever else you believe. For the, for the matter of the book and the conversation, I'm going to use this as reference, right? And it says that God spoke everything into existence. So he spoke the earth. So now you have a voice activated. Where he spoke the earth into existence. He spoke everything. But then it says he planted a garden. So why would God, who has the ability to speak that into existence, plant it? And if you look at landscape architecture, there's two components to it. One is it's a strong, meticulous nature and there's so much detail to it. Right. So now God has strong a nature of detail. Then he says then he placed man inside of the garden. So everything you would ever need is inside of the garden. And then it says there's a river that flowed out of that garden then became four overheads. So once we can understand Eden and the original intent, multiplication happens after that. And Eden is the word for Eden has to do with um, delight, right? And so when we can find the place, so in the God, but I'm going to take it to the essence of the book that I think the, the listeners will really appreciate and understand. And this difference comes from National Geographic. So regardless now, um, we can't argue these points, right? So so if you look at this, is there's a river that flowed out of Eden. And I took the composition to understand what a river is, right? So a river is a body of moving water. And the challenge we have in society, this is all of this now will become just business information for anybody. It it doesn't make a difference where you find yourself. a river is a body of moving water. When water does not move, it gives off a stench, right? So when your business is not moving, it's not active, you can then get the stench of it around it. But the river doesn't know there's a stench, right? And it says a river is a body of moving water, right. and no two rivers are the same. So if you just take the analogy or the information of that, our rivers do not flow the same, right? And then it's, and, and there's five components to a river, and, and it, it stretches across the book. But for the, for this over here, for this chat, I think it's important. So the five components of the river, the first part of a river and this is called the source. So the question is why do you do what you do? You know, and what is the motivation behind all of this? So yes, you have this dichotomy where we have in many cases that you have guys that want to become rich and afterwards they want to do good. But the question is why can we not become rich while doing good? Right? So we separate those two worlds, right? Because remember a river, the water of the river quenches the thirst of the people outside of the river it doesn't quench the thirst of the river. You think about rivers and I'm like, wow, I had so much water to drink today. Right. But but so so the second part of the river, which is so important, is called the current. And it was on exactly your point. The question is, if you look at the word current, two words, it moves at its fastest point at the current. So the current is the flavor you give off. But the word current is current. Are you current today? Are you solving the problems of what's happening today now? Right, So now the third part of the river, which is an absolutely amazing part, is called the channel of the river. The channel of the river is the deepest part of the river. So as, as deep as it is and as wide as it is, he hated the trade. So you had spice trade, gold trade, and ships moved could only use the rivers with the deepest channels because it allowed trade. So the middle part of the river, the middle part of the garden, and the middle part of you is your heart. So when your heart is deep and wide, you can then see trade going at a much rapid speed and go over there. The th- second part, second last part of the river, three, is called. So what happens is before the river ends, this is the most powerful part. If you if you don't, if you forget everything in this interview, this part I want you to remember, right? So, when it, so what a river does is when it's about to give and release, so the rivers release into oceans, right? Not all of it, but some of it, right? Or most of it. So what it does is a river picks up sediment and debris and it runs at a very slow spot. And then what it does with the sediment and debris, it gives birth to something called the delta. And the delta is the life force for everything else. If you look at the Nile the Nile River, there are many nations that's dependent on the Nile as a result of the delta and the river. So the Delta is the legacy that you are able to leave behind. That, can be, that, that, the, that the measure of this can be felt in society. The impact of this can be felt for generations, right? So if we are called to be rivers, the Delta is the one where you'll be measured. The last part of the river is called the river mouth, and it goes into that. I'm going to show you something about the river mouth that I think your viewers are totally going to appreciate, right? So there's two of the world's longest rivers, and they're totally different. In, in this regard, and the longest river in the world uh, um, is called Amazon, right? so the Amazon river is the longest, and this I didn't make up you can google this right this what makes Amazon the longest river in the world is that there's one thousand tributaries now tributary or it comes from the word tribute. so when there is another river that flows into Amazon, it, it, it loses its name, it takes up the name of Amazon. So the question in business or in life is, are we willing to honor somebody that's going much further than we are, lose all credit and ambition and all of those things to take up where this is going, right? So what this does, it pays tribute, it flows into Amazon and makes Amazon the longest river in the world. Amazon is one of the first companies to break the trillion dollar mark. But guess what they say their source code is? They said, what is your source code for breaking this year? They said it had to do with shipping day-to-day shipping. Where does the shipping happen? It happens in the the channel, right, in the the middle part. So it's amazing that the the language that is used is exactly the anatomy of the river. The second last river, uh, the second longest river, and I'll end with this on the book, is called the Nile, right? The Nile has two um, tributaries that go into it. So some part of life, you, you will have many people that's part of your journey and your life. But then some part of your life, you'll have quality people in your life. So yes, strategic relationships are important and you have the mass relationships where you are with everybody, everybody's with you. But the Nile River is probably a much more important from a life-sustaining point of view when it comes to the people it supports along that entire track. But if you look at the tributaries. There's only two tributaries, so there's a part of your life as a as a river as a person that you would you would have mass friends, but when you you'd be lucky to have four or five people that's really rooting for you that 's part of your journey so that's in a crux is so many Uh, um, highlights in the book. It's really reached so many people and we would just... I I always make the joke. I said, I'd be fine if it reached 10 people, you know, but it's reached online. It's reached more than 100,000 people and all of us. And the reason for that is that people can identify themselves in some part of the story, though.
1: Wow. There are so many nuggets there and I love how you... Bring the metaf- metaphor of nature yeah. into business. I like, I love doing the same thing with my Zenpreneur philosophy and how we find so many of uh, principles in business in, in nature. You know, talking about water, for instance. There's when it comes to goal setting. And a lot of entrepreneurs they get attached to their goals. They're like, okay, this month. I got to make uh, $50,000. And then they they like, $50,000. They get so attached to that. And it would be the equivalent of trying to grasp water. If you go and you try to go into a river and you try to get it like this, you try what happens? It just flows through. You can't grasp it. So you're trying to do something that's not possible. And then what happens in the process of you trying to do something that's not possible, you get frustrated. You're like, why is this not working? Why is this not working? And instead, if you just focus on aligning yourself with the flow of the river, with the natural flow of the river, and you focus on the process of flowing, guess what happens? You achieve results with ease. You don't have all that stress. You don't have all that polluted thinking. So I would love for you to highlight a little bit more as you get into that stagnant part, you know, you said earlier when, when water doesn't flow it gets stagnant and you know that the, the water becomes muddy and it's just like um you know it, it 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 builds it builds that sense of like what what was the word that you used? Help me remind Yeah, when remind it doesn't flow so it
0: becomes stagnant and then obviously it gives off a stinge and um yeah
1: a stinge, yes. So, what do you do as an entrepreneur? You're in that part, right? You're you're stuck, you're stagnant. There's this stinge. How do you break through that and get back into the flow no, I
0: think that's 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 actually a brilliant question, and this was some of the um, questions that we were we were coming together at COVID. It's like, how do you fail forward, right? So, if there are moments <laughs> where you cannot see the hood for the trees in your business, because you see when the challenge you have is, and why people get to that point is that when you're in your business, your production goes. When you're outside of your business, your business grows, right? So sometimes people's, people's heads are so much in their business that they get stuck and they're not moving anymore and the stench comes out, right? So from yeah. where they're at, and, and we're all guilty of that as entrepreneurs, right? The question then is we need to re-energize and refire an entrepreneurial spirit. You know what is the entrepreneurs but what is the thing that got you into business you know you're willing to take risk so if you look at the and this is the case studies that we've done in covert uh, is we just had people phone in just people say listen i have a restaurant let's take that for example i have a restaurant and no people's coming to me anymore and my business is stuck and it's covert and what do i do do i just close the doors and i said okay cool you have a business um, how long have you been there so no we are landmark we've been here for 10 years 15 years i said okay cool so, you know, the community, So you know, everybody knows us and so we know them. I said, okay, fine. So why didn't you do door-to-door deliveries with your food? The guy's like, well, I never thought about it. So, but what you have is you, you have two components that is there. You have trust and worthiness that's been there. You have a captive, captivated audience. This guy's built trust with his audience. And, but you, you just, he's looking through a very old lens with new challenges and he's trying to solve a new problem with old uh, with, with old outcomes. The environment was not conducive for him to bring that. He would be breaking so many laws. And then he decided just to do that, you know, and this business became successful again. And it's not a case that, um, so the thing is, how do you pivot out of those situations? So one of the thing is try to step back, try to step back out of your scenario and look at it as a third person view. You know, where are you at? Why are you there? What could you do different? What problems are you solving? And if you look at the COVID situation, Tons of entrepreneurs were selling um, masks and sanitizers and ABC. Why were they doing that? They had the audience already. So what you had, you had the resilience of an entrepreneurial spirit that came out and people went into survival mode, but they came out on top. You know, the people survived. Yes, it was difficult. So for those who are stuck, try to step out and try to figure out why you, why you're stuck. Now, many times you're not going to be able to get the answer because you're in a situation like, like someone who's playing soccer or sports, and the coach pulls you off, but you had the best game in your mind with the coach like, "Dude, you messed up this whole game." you know So get around get around other people that you are walking with and begin to have these chats about where you're at or other business people. So you need three people in your life, and this will solve that problem. those you're walking with from a journey point of view, those you're learning from and those you're giving back to. So those who already have been around the bend of this that looks like the dead end for you, which is just the bend and trying to figure out how to move and navigate around that. Yeah. So b- become transparent and honest about where you're at, you know, and business people, we, we, and marketers, we find the most amazing ways to explain a scenario that is not that detrimental, but the minute we can become very honest about a situation. say, listen, I do not know where you don't have all the answers. That's what we need to know. You're never going to have all the answers. That's why someone as amazing as Mario with an amazing talk show realized that he needs to get into something else based on where he wants to go. So I think as an entrepreneur, you know, cut all the frills the and say, listen, this is where I'm at and I cannot see it from you. I have five people that I call all the time and the guys, some of the guys who look at me it's like, dude, the answer's right there. And I was like, man, I, I had a feeling it was that but I also didn't know and this is why People and community is important for you to be involved in and be alongside their own
1: yeah yeah that that's such a good point that's so relevant and, and I cannot underline this enough what yeah. you said about stepping back it's especially I find in the younger generation, I coach a lot of these young entrepreneurs that make these head starts and they build multi six figure uh, dollar businesses and even go into seven figures, and they're just glued to their screens just like right there and they they think, yeah. "I just need to put in more hours, but just like you said, more hours is not going to solve it because you're in this zone already where you're going into the direction that is just going to get you more of the things that you don't want and don't need at this time, so I think to your point, stepping back is highly highly relevant and there was something else that you said that stood out about early about the amazon river and it reminds me of something that i learned in south africa and that and i would and i'd be curious if you think this is the same or it's similar or it's completely different when you said that the Amazon River is the longest river in the world, it's because there are all these smaller rivers that feed into the Amazon River. And as you said that, yeah. what came up for me was Ubuntu. Yeah. I am because we are. So is Absolutely. that the same philosophy? Absolutely. Is it similar and or is it I different? I think
0: is how do, you, how do we coexist? Um, how do we coexist if everybody's going to want to get the glory out of this? Right? So, and that—that that is a challenge that we have in society and around—is that we we must be able to to operate as one, but must be able to honor. And that that for me, I think maybe that's the slight difference is like how do you honor someone who's doing that's come before you? And and with with Amazon and the rivers that feed into it, you're never gonna know their names. You know, there's a season of your life no one's gonna know your name. Right? It's just how it is. And there's a season is like where did this guy come from? Like man, I wish I heard of him right. before. And that was the phase where you were pouring into mentors' lives. And then there's a phase where people are pouring into your life. But the way you will be served is the way that you serve. So I would say serve well and that you will be served well. You know, so I hope, yeah. (laughs)
1: Hold on, hold on, hold on. That was really good. Let's just go back. The way you serve is the way you will be served. So basically... The more you give, the more you serve the, the world and around you and the people, the more it comes back to you. you
0: beautiful. It, it sounds bitter coming from you.
1: No, 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 no. You coined that, so definitely <laughs> we're underlying that. So, you know, that that goes against the what I find very American capitalistic mindset of I'm a self-made person. and. I When I first started on this journey, I was like, yeah, I want to be a self made man. I want, I, definitely, right? And then as I went along, I realized that yeah. is just complete BS because it's not possible to be self made. Just like you said, there are these rivers that flow into the bigger river. And in many times, yeah. you have no idea that there even was a river, but there was, right? You didn't invent the internet. You didn't uh, build the streets that you're driving on to work. You know, you didn't write the books that you uh, read every day to get your not. You didn't uh, create the podcast. There's so many things that were created to support you and that are being created as we speak that lead into this big river of success and wealth and and impact. So how can what, what would you say? Besides stepping back and you know allowing other people to mentor you, what would you say are some other practices that really have helped you to honor this mindset of "I am because we yeah, are
0: i I think the thing if i if I use our the magazine for example, right so for ten years, we serve people right so for ten years is we serve the stories of people and try to keep it as 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 undiluted as possible. Right, So sitting with the entrepreneur, sitting and listening to world leaders, thought leaders on their journey and serving their journey and serving their story. After 10 years, we're getting that we are able to tell our story based on serving those who were telling their story. You know, so a time has come where a lot of that has changed based on our ability to to, to remain steadfast and faithful to know when it's not your season in that particular light. Right? So when it's not your season, to flourish when it's when your seed's in the ground and no one can see the level of growth that you're enduring. But no one no, no one can ever say, you see, the minute this, the, the seed comes out of the ground, it doesn't mean that it was put in there yesterday. It could have been there for a long period of time. So many people right now watching might be the seed that's in the ground that no one can see. You know, some people say, yeah, I'm an overnight success with 25 Mm -hmm. years experience. So there's no overnight success. There's none of those things. You're going to have to go through those journeys. But I would say remain steadfast and faithful where you find yourself. Because where you find yourself, is stuff you're going to have to learn that's going to take you to the next level. And I'll use the word work and job right so and i'll use the biblical analogy to this that i think is amazing jesus says i want to do the work i see my father doing and let's look at that right the job is the thing you get paid to do the work is the thing you are called to do and that's the big difference right so you're going to do many jobs in life like i was listening to your story with the shoes and all that you'll do many jobs in life till you find the work that you're called to do and that is going to make and set you apart but you're going to have to be faithful in the jobs before you're going to be uh, um, be a pillar or a mountain or a, or a figure of hope, as the one who's doing the work he's called to do. So I hope that answers that though. Uh,
1: that does answer it very well. More than more so than I expected. That was beautiful. Again, I love that analogy of you know, there's many jobs in life that you're called to do that that are supporting you on the journey to getting to doing the work and. If I reflect back on my life, that's so accurate because I would, I know that what I'm doing right now is the work that I was brought to doing on this, on this earth. It's It's just like, it's, it's just full on. My heart is in it and every part of this, and it's just fulfilling and I can see the impact. And if I go back, all the other things that I did, my heart wasn't in it, in it, you know, I was excited. I learned a lot and I'm super grateful for all of that, but it wasn't the work. and. I'm curious, what would you say were some of the identification marks for you personally, Ronald, for you to say, I found my work? And, and maybe maybe I'm just assuming, maybe you haven't yet found your work. Right? But um, absolutely. Can you speak so, into that?
0: We have found our work and there's progressions to work at right? these various stages to it. So in every life that you get, you'll get a new season of your life, and the new season is not an old season wrapped up in new clothes. It's just a whole new level and a whole new way of doing things that maybe leads to the first thing is that how do we reposition ourselves for what whatever's going to be next for our lives? So we we constantly progress, you know. So but um, I think for us, and this is what's made our publication or our culture different, is that we always from the jobs that we've done always found out one of the good good values that we appreciate. It's people. We appreciate having people over. We are the, we are the entertaining uh, um, families, right? We always have people over. We're always interested in where you are, what your kids are doing. We're just that integrated type of people. But if you look at that, a lot of that has come through the years, but it's what built affluence. Because what you've done is we built a culture of community because we love community. That's how we communicate, that's what we feel is our love language. Now, if you take community, out and 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 you and you can put anything inside of it. Be luxury industry aviation coaching it doesn't make a difference we all want to be part of something you know so i have definitely gone through many jobs that made absolutely no sense at the time you know but i would never change a lot of those things because there's a lot of those key values you've learned for you to operate successfully in the way that you are doing your work so i would say if you're in a job right now and you're like man i don't know if this is what i'm called to do i say remain focused Till your time comes, remain remain focused, steadfast, and become faithful. You know, I will never get a, a guy said so and you know, at the time I was working, I won't mention the, the organization's name, but I worked. I felt like they were taking advantage and wouldn't paying my worth and all that kind of stuff. I was very young, I was about twenty two and um, all of that kind of stuff. But uh, uh, somebody told me something that stuck with me at twenty two at being being twenty two years old. He says, Wherever you are, just remain faithful, your season will come. And uh, I serve to the best of my ability. I mean, I came in Saturdays. I worked late. Came in early, and you know, I, I at twenty years, two years old, I I um, I grew the company by three three times the multiples, and and for one very reason is that I said I'm going to be as faithful as I can be. Because the day will come. Remember, when you're in that moment, you don't know that you're going to start your own business one day, you know. So, but but what you put out or what you sow, you're going to reap. You yeah. know, a, a seed liver. You cannot sow apples and expect bananas to grow, right? So you can't sow one thing, and you saving something else. <laughs> so, if, <laughs> if you want to build an organ, if you want to build enterprise or whatever, and you have this desire inside of you as an entrepreneur, and you're like, man, something about me. I've genetically been coded that I'm going to start my own business. That's your calling. But be faithful till you get to the calling. No one hears the story about Jesus mm. being a carpenter and all of that. 30 years, right? And then you get three years in which he lives out his, his his work. Three years he lives out his work. 30 years he lives out his job. You know, but there's preparation. David is called to be, was a shepherd boy. And then at the age of 30, he becomes king. So sometimes there is a period of time that you're going to walk. But you know you anointed for bigger things, but your time has not come. So sometimes you've got to wait for the anointing and the appointing to a up. And when they line up, man, the rest is history. No one's gonna argue with you about have you found your no one's ever gonna tell you, listen, Mario, there's another job at this airline. You're like, dude, it's fine. Found my thing. <laughs> you know. So I hope I hope that adds value or, or really uh, you know, goes into the question that you asked.
1: Yeah, it does. It does. And I think, you know, you remind us of something that is so important, even if you're not yet at that place where you found the work that you're called to do is show up, be faithful, be persistent, and essentially, give it your best, right? Because if you're giving it your best, you are operating from your best. And that means you're more open to calling in the work. You know, and I think that's why we are, are given these opportunities to, to grow, right? The, the previous jobs that I was in, there, there were many things that I was like, that's ah, not really what I really want to do, but it's helping me. I'm learning. I'm learning to be more patient. I'm learning to be more courageous. I'm learning to be more determined. I'm learning to respect and love myself more because of, you know, similar to you. It's like, oh man, I'm being paid way less than what I think I deserve, right? I I was working in New York City with my startup and I made about $3,000 per month working like seven (laughs) days a week. I was like, this is crazy. It's like, what? Like if I were to put in that amount of time at a big corporate company, I'll be making, you know... Five times as much. So you know, I was like, mm, it, started to, it started to shift my thinking yeah. towards, I think it's time to move on. And so, you know, with an awareness of time, you've brought a lot of value to the table, some tremendous value. So thank you so much. Now, I want to circle back to what I said in the very beginning, that you have something amazing to give to our listeners. So... You mentioned to me that you have yes, two VIP tickets for one person to your next uh, polo event in California. So I'm really excited for that. Please tell us, how can so, people yeah, so get So the those best tickets? to do
0: that is go to the um, Facebook page. Um, it's called Affluence Black Polo. And then if you tag five friends you like and share the page, we will pick up and we'll make sure that you get it. Um, what we do not cover, unfortunately, we wish we could, uh, would be the flights and accommodation. Um, but you will have a VVIP experience So you'd pay for absolutely nothing on the day. You'll have access into the finest experiences and all the things that Mario and myself were referring to when it comes to luxury. Luxury is really built on um, from the time that you get there to the time that you leave to make sure that you have the finest elevated experience. And we'd be honored to host you as our guest. So whether you want to bring your closest relative or your partner, whoever, you know, we will be more than happy. But to do that, um, Facebook Affluence Black Polo or Instagram like and share, tag five friends, we'll revert back to you and we'll inbox you all the details and yeah, we would love to see you there, host you there and make sure that you are the celebrity of the day
1: well, how, how amazing is that? So, b- b- Black Affluence, uh, the polo event so the is event happening, is, uh, uh, approximately tell us year when from is now.
0: the event? It's the 26th of October it's going uh-huh. to be in Santa Iones, the beautiful wine region of okay. Santa Barbara. And yeah, so it's, a, it's going to be a two-day event, a cocktail event, and then the polo But the tickets allows you access into the polo event, which would be a VIP experience for six hours.
1: Oh, wow. Amazing. So I'm going to be sure to add all of the links into the show notes. Seriously, if you're listening to this, I would I would get out and do this right now because this is truly a treat and a massive opportunity to get yourself in front of a lot of highly influential people and obviously treat yourself to an amazing experience. Uh, Ronald, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on the show. I'm also going to add a link to your book uh, into the show for people to dive deeper into God's Code for Running a Business. And um, I will leave the last yeah, message so uh, of firstly, this podcast thank you to you. Once
0: again, Maury. it's an honor and pleasure. I had so much fun. Time flew so quickly because we had a lot of fun. But I just want to encourage everybody out there that um, be steadfast, be faithful. Your time will come. And um, yeah, prepare yourself, position yourself for the new season. We're excited to be part of the journey. And we hope and pray that we've added value today.
1: That is beautiful. And on that note, thank you, my friend, for being a faithful listener to the Zemprener Podcast. And I will see you on the next episode. Peace.